I am not a number. I am a man. Oh, wait. I'm number five. <laughs> In your face, number six. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. They're frequently dumb, but they're sometimes astute. They're always emphatic on a degree absolute. They're breaking the prisoner right down to the root. That whole TV show on a degree absolute. If you like lava lamps and weather balloons, and whack ass inflections from Patrick McGoon, Chris and Glenn made a podcast. It's a degree absolute. Glenn, Chris, uh, I want to apologize to you and to the listeners. I'm I'm sorry I'm late. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, this uh, life happens. You know, it's, yeah. I, I think people will understand. Yep. No, you you know how it is. I was rushing over here on my skateboard, and I, I noticed a little green stick of plutonium or some sure, other iridescent sure. kind of glow yep. stick thing stuck to my back, and baby Maggie got run over the supermarket scanner and stuck in a grocery bag. Do you think she should maybe be walking, talking by now? I mean, I don't um, know anything about child development, but 30-plus years. She it... should be a 48-year-old divorcee by now. Yeah, she should be <laughs> smoking parliaments and hanging out in a bar in a in a leopard print uh, tank top and and flirting with uh, 20-year-olds by now. Yep, absolutely. I don't think it was a treehouse of horror, but there there definitely was a Simpsons episode set in the 2020s where they predicted a President Trump, like they 20 years before did. President yes, Trump. Yes. Like that was, they predict, yeah. And th- in this episode we're about to talk about, Chris, they also predict something else that's going to be, they certainly going to be do. uncanny and unsettling. So, but the important thing is we, we have pushed ourselves onto the sofa together at last. Mm-hmm. It's been too long. Despite my subpar Terrence Malick knockoff, the thin pink line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here I am, hopefully not too audibly COVID-y. Yeah, let's get to it. This is an interesting one. Um, it might be one of our last ones, but we'll c- cross that bridge when we come to it. We may have come to it, Glenn. We might have, might have actually escaped the village. We might have gone out beyond where rowers can retrieve us. Or even Mrs. Butterworth can get us. Perhaps. So so in December of 2000, when The Simpsons, the by far longest running American sitcom, American animated series ever, mm-hmm. was in its, uh, in its 12th season, <laughs> which at the time we probably thought it was uh, in the like the back nine, whatever, <laughs> whatever sports metaphor you want. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm sure no one imagined. It's like this. This is in the first third of its life. Where were you uh, vis-a-vis The Simpsons in December of 2000? Were you still watching? Were you still hanging in there? Still hanging in there every week. Yeah. It would drop off precipitously very soon after this. And by the way, there's some um, solid jokes in this. Uh, some solid Absolutely. jokes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, no, this has been my thing with The Simpsons for many years. It's like people talk about it as though it is it became unwatchably terrible. And, un- you know, without question, there was a drop off. Yeah. There were a few golden seasons in the in the mid 90s. And it's impossible to sustain that quality for that long. But I don't feel like it became abysmal when people I talk about it. I like would want it to test this theory by by showing it to kids who weren't around back then. Right. Because, I mean, the, like if the jokes hold up the jokes hold up. And if they don't, because I think there's a thing where you, you love this thing that nobody else loved and then it grew up with you and then inevitably you you 
push it away from you and say, oh, there's something else. There's something better. There's something fresher that uh, is more of the moment, is more of the now. But sure. I would I would love to be able to go back with fresh eyes and see, because I mean, like that first season was a little rough. The first season was a little rough in terms of the animation, especially, but also in terms of the joke. Density. Oh yeah, because I was not watching the Tracy Ullman show yeah. uh, in, in those years. And when I went back and saw those those shorts, like it seems funny to call the character designs primitive. I mean, of course they were always intentionally sort of primitive, but they had not arrived at the final design, right? Nobody polish, looked quite right. right. Castanella hadn't quite found Homer's voice yet. Well, he had found uh, Walter Matthau they, is what he'd found. Right. And he just kind of settled into that. But yeah, that, it, it evolved. Everything evolved. But yeah, I wonder yeah. if kids who are seeing it all fresh, maybe some of our listeners who have kids could... Ludovico technique them and just kind of sit them down yeah. in front and, and make them... Well, this episode of A Degree Absolute is brought to you by the Ludovico technique. Thank you for reminding me, Glenn, <laughs> the, the first in a series of dubious sponsors. I hope will be helping to pay us. Yeah, yeah. Well, but here's here's the other thing. When we found The Prisoner, not a lot of people knew about The Prisoner. Like, I mean, it was old enough and English enough to feel like a niche item for us. But The, the Simpsons was never that. I mean, The Simpsons was a massive mainstream success right out Simpsons of the box. So the, the Bart Simpson t-shirt. the box that, that politicians Don't have a cow man. Uh, would would get cheap points by uh, like say, uh, looking down their nose and smoking and stroking their beards and saying what is to be done about Homer Simpson? This is yes. what the show was. It was this, <laughs> and there was uh, do the Bartman was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's hard for people to to realize that you know you know Batman eighty nine you couldn't get away you couldn't walk down the street without seeing a kiosk with uh, knockoff Batman t shirts and yeah. There was no mall that did not have. Every mall was hot topic back then, and every mall was. And do you <laughs> like? Do you remember like the sort of Simpsons knockoff, like like Black Power T-shirts, where you'd sure, see like of course. a dark-skinned Bart Simpson, and he'd be saying something like "Knowledge is power, man" or right, something or, instead yeah. of you know "Don't have down, a cow" or yeah, down like, with the man. Yep. Well, well, why? I mean, why? Why are we talking about uh, uh, the salad days of the Simpsons? <laughs> The title of a podcast we will will not be uh, bringing to you. No, because there's plenty of Simpsons podcasts out there already, and they're very good. I mean, Glenn, seven hundred ninety, however many episodes. I just mm-hmm. I just looked it up. That uh, what are we doing here? Why are we why are we talking about this? Well, I think you have a better answer to that question than I do. Yeah, well, in I mean, nineteen sixty-seven, blah 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 blah. In nineteen sixty-six, Glenn, how 66, dare you? How you. dare you? In nineteen sixty-six, Patrick would go and start the long-running TV spy series Danger Man, resigned at the height of that show's popularity to create a new series about a spy who resigns from government service and wakes up in a mysterious, inescapable village where each resident—well, many residents—are referred to only by their number. I can feel the rust on my joints, not having spoken <laughs> these words in a in a in a few months. Surreal and provocative, silly and pretentious, ahead of its time, and innately and unambiguously and lavid lampedly of its time, that short-lived, long-tailed series was called. The Prisoner. Yeah, it was. Furthermore, Glenn. Mm-hmm. In 1989, Matt Groening. Ah, proper pronunciation. Look at you. Look Thank at you. you. Of course, I am a professional creator of the weekly comic strip Life in Hell. <laughs> Dramatically increased his net worth by creating a new series about a quintessentially American family afflicted by mustard yellow skin, terrifying overbites, and only four digits on each hand. Satirical and evocative, that historically long-lived, uncancelable series called The Simpsons. Is mm-hmm. called The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Still is. Still going. Still going. No, I don't say still going strong. I say still going. My dad still watches it every Sunday. Okay. You, you asked Tom Klemek. Uh, he, he laughs just as hard as he did in 1996. Good for him. Well, welcome everyone to the private, uh, personal, uh, by hand, uh, tangent, tolerant, 
do we even need to say tangent tolerant uh-huh. properly punctuated uh punch card driven uh podcast where we take this unclassifiable and unforgettable television series the prisoner and related documents and we and we push it like i'm sorry i should scroll up further right no maybe i don't Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and and uh, I wonder if again because of the peculiar Matt Groening evolutionary tick of the four digits, I wonder I wonder if four should be our maximum score. Oh, that's a good point. Let's do that. <clears throat> but no, again, it's too, too too confusing. Nope, nope, nope. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to our usual scale. Okay, and we push it like Homer pushes Patty McGee into the drink to commandeer his toilet paper boat. That actually <laughs> happens in the episode. Yes, it's smelly, it's small, but uh, all right, Glenn, I, I, I have missed you so much, uh, buddy. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a perfect six right there because I'm, okay. I'm smiling at the sight of that toilet paper boat parked in the driveway of the Simpson home. are made from scabs and dynamite. We file it like the rudimentary HTML code likely required to get Jesus to dance on a web page. That's a file, right? There's a file involved. Sure, absolutely. It's a computer. There's files. I'm, I'm going to document point. I'm going to give you a, a, a five for that because uh, keep your proselytizing to yourself, Glenn. Okay. We stamp it like we're printing out number badges for the residents of the island. Did we see them do that? Was that a background? Well, uh, how else do you uh, make badges? Right? Sure, you, you stamp them. Oh, oh, all right, all right. I'm going to give you a four there. Okay. Break, continue. We, we index it like we're maintaining a record of what badges are assigned to which people on the island and of, so as to avoid duplication, which is something the island seems to do better than the village ever fucking did. Objection sustained. Uh, six. Six out of six. We brief it like we're Patty McGee's total script pages in this episode. <laughs> yeah, we are eight minutes from the end when we when we get to the island yeah. in this 23-minute <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. episode. Like, it's not even a full episode. It's, it's a little more than a third of an episode. It's basically Act 3. Uh, that's Act 2 and 3, I suppose. Right. Okay. <clears throat> uh, um, give you five. Five there. Okay. We debrief it like we're number six, explaining to number five why everyone is on the island. We are a lot more forthcoming and friendly and solicitous than number six has ever been in his life. It is unsettling. Yeah, I wonder if that's, uh, you know, is that a function of age? Is that a function of uh, Patty McGee being, uh, like, called up and invited to, to go somewhere? Um, all right, I'll give you a five there. Okay. We number it like we are residents of the island, except if we're talking about the last scene where no members of the Simpsons family has a badge or a number, or also if we're talking about the first scene where he meets those people on the island and none of them have badges or numbers either. Again, objection sustained. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a six. Okay. So again, I am I am charitably inclined towards you, my it has too been long a absent. It has been a while. Compadre. I don't mind a little grade inflation. So what was? Uh, I mean, I guess Braveheart had uh, had happened five years mm-hmm. before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably wasn't that they saw the Phantom. 
uh, James L. Brooks or or uh, whomever graining Conan was was long gone by by this time. No, this was written by uh, John Schwarzwalder, which I love that name because it's like his name is John Black Forest. Um, uh-huh. This is the computer war menace shoes uh, from season twelve. Episode mm-hmm. six. Do you know what that's a reference of? Do you know what that's a riff on, Chris? That Only because we have discussed it briefly before. When a campus clown underwent an accidental brain transplant with a high-speed computer, the whole world was after his head. Now the young generation gets into gear, and the laughs are all on the establishment. The computer wore tennis shoes, coming soon. I am looking at a one-sheet for 1969's The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. Glenn, I need to tell you, this film is, per the poster, programmed for laughs. Programmed for laughs. Uh, L-A-F-F-S? You would think, but no, it is is the traditional spelling of, of laughs. I didn't know Kurt Russell was a child actor, but apparently we, we have a, oh, big a 17-year-old Tarzan Kurt Russell Boy, in this. Well, I, yeah. was Tarzan Boy. I think it was Mickey Dolan's. Anyway, um, no, t- Mickey Dolan was Circus Boy, and Kurt Russell was Tarzan Boy. Um, so The Computer War Tennis Shoes, Chris, was the first film I saw in a theater. Now, I didn't see it at age one, because I didn't see it in its original 1969. No, no, no. You're, you're always very, you know, you take pains to explain when you saw something in reruns. Exactly. Like, and like I saw this. Yeah. I must have, I probably, they re-released it just a few years later, because I was, this was, I was very, very tiny, age four or five or something okay. like that. And uh, yeah. I thought it was a hoot. I can't, I can't imagine going back. And seeing it again. Um, so this episode is not the first Simpsons episode to feature a prisoner reference. Um, that uh, distinction belongs to The Joy of Sect, which was a season nine episode, episode 13. That is the uh, movementarian episode, you know, the na 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 not a leader, that episode. Uh, at one point, Marge tries to escape the movementarian compound and is chased by Rover. I'm leaving this place, and you'd better step aside. Lady, people are free to go whenever they wish. Forgotten about that, and the rover misses Marge, but rovers Eugene Molman. Poor Eugene, <laughs> one of his many, many deaths on The Simpsons. Uh, so this uh, first aired December third, two thousand. So this is a pre nine eleven relic. This is yep, uh, yep, uh, this yep. was a simpler time. This this was we were we were on the edge of something as a people, as a nation. And, I had uh, just moved to California. Just moved to California. A heady, heady time in my life. From? From suburban Washington, D.C., Glenn. Not uh, not proper taxation without representation, Washington, D.C., where I make my home now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Northern Virginia, it's safe to say, right? It was, yes. I was was in Arlington when I relocated to 
the surfer's paradise of Ventura, California. Ventura, California. You went west, young man, as a young man. I did. I did. You struck gold. You made your fortune. You panned. This is not an endorsement. This is simply a a statement of fact. But if you want to see what uh, Ventura looked like, as soon as I arrived there, Joel Silver brought his film crew along and they were in town for about five or six weeks shooting Swordfish. John Travolta, Hugh Jackson, Halle Berry, and Don Cheadle. Swordfish. Not a good movie. No. But uh, it's a hostage drama and... um, But there's computers in it and somebody hacks into a mainframe at one point. Going over the phone lines, pop the fire on, sit back, wait for the money. So what we need from you, Stanley, is a worm. Marco, let's give him some incentive. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, Hugh Jackman, as I recall, um, hacks into a mainframe while being fellated as a, a oh, hey. uh, as proof of his ability to focus on the task at hand, Glenn, when, oh, hey. you know, when oh. distracted. Yeah. Jill Silver. Chill Silver, ladies and gentlemen. It was the the uh, Y2K version of Luke Skywalker having to practice with the target ball with the blindfold on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, practice. It was exactly that. Uh, it, yeah, so anyway, so they, they dressed a vacant uh, store on Main Street as the, the bank where this hostage thing is going on. And there's just lots of... Lots of shots of uh, lots of shots of Ventura that you can see if you care to. I eventually watched this film basically on fast forward <laughs> to see what was shot in my adopted hometown. Mm-hmm. Not hometown. I don't know. My adopted residence for a few years. Uh, were you close to the beach? On the beach? Did you go to the beach when you were there? Mile from the beach, Glenn. I was uh, the fittest I have ever been or, or ever shall be. I mean, within a six-mile loop from my house, I would have runs where I had a little bit of mountain, a little bit of beach. I started boxing while I was there. I tried to learn to surf while I was there. I was, uh, I was doing it all, man. All right. All right. Did you do the Muscle Beach thing? Was there is there a Muscle Beach in Ventura? I was down at, at Muscle Beach in Santa Monica a, yeah. a few times, but I mean that's that's sixty miles down the coast. This is an incredibly uh, great digression in our tangent tolerant podcast. But the thing for me about Muscle Beach, Glenn, was was not all the hard bodies doing bench press and uh, you know that seemed very seventies, very very pumping iron to me. The thing that I was delighted to discover when I got there was an apparatus called the Swinger Ring. That was like the the Iron Cross and gymnastics, sure. um, you know, the, or the parallel rings, whatever you, you call that. But instead of two, there were, I think, 10 or mm. maybe 12. And I mean, they were just far enough apart that you couldn't, um, you, basically, you really had to pump your arms and build up some momentum to swing to the next ring, hence the name. And I was strong enough to do it out and back once, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm a, I've always been 200-ish pounds, you know, certainly for a, for a distance runner. I was a, I was a big heavy guy and this would tear the hell out of my hands. Like I would oh, have sure. gigantic blisters by the time I was, was done doing this. And I felt like I had accomplished something just by being able to do it. Meanwhile, you would have like 11 year old girls who would mm-hmm. get on this thing. Their strength to weight ratio is just off the charts and they looked like Spider-Man. I mean, they yep. were doing these incredibly complicated, balletic, graceful routines. As far as I know, there was only one other of these things in the U.S. in Riverside Park on, um, is that on the East River or the Hudson River in New York? I think it's the Hudson. That was a lot of shoulder injuries ago that I was uh, yeah, was rocking the swing ring yeah. down on Muscle Beach, but there was a time, Glenn. Of course, the classic Muscle Beach is in Venice, California. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hit that one? No, I didn't. All right. So the we open with this episode. The blackboard gag is Bart writing on the blackboard. I will only provide a urine sample when asked. Solid piece of business. Mm-hmm. So, not mm-hmm. a, not a, not not ten out of ten, but you know a six. Solid six, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the couch gag is send his little helper 
dancing the Snoopy dance until he is shamed th- out of doing so by the disapproving glares of the Simpsons, <laughs> which, I mean, I think Maggie, you know, Maggie, you think she'd be down. Like, Maggie yeah. always seemed a little hipper than yeah. the rest. Bart's a jerk and Lisa's a square, but like, I, I and, you know, I just didn't, that didn't square with me. Graining James L. Brooks, somebody, what's going on there? Are they looking down their nose at Charles Schultz? I don't know. There's a, there's Do you think they're a, saying that that his cartoon was too heavily merchandised, Glenn? Oh, is that what that's about? Like that. that. All right. So, episode opens. The nuclear power plant is closed for fumigation, but Homer doesn't know that because he didn't get the email. Look at the email. Lenny and Carl explain to him what an email is. He vows to get a computer. This yep. this is the first time you will be struck by <laughs> what the year two thousand was like. He goes to honest. Sure, jobs. no, no. People were having days off and turning up the car radio. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, he goes to Honest John's computers. Uh, he is upsold to get a top of the line computer because he needs to do email. That's again uh-huh. solid. I like that joke. Uh, are you? A You'll sucker? need a top of the line machine for that. As a result of us having covered Patty McGee and the Moonshine War, yeah. some months ago and earlier, the so that sent me back to Justified, and I have continued intermittently my my Justified rewatch and. Uh, in uh, 20, 2014 or whatever the whatever year the penultimate season of of Justified was, there was basically this joke where there's a computer hacker who Raylan has to track down or something, and he posts a, a hectoring message online, and and Raylan has to go ask the tech guy in the marshal's office, like, can I post a reply to a post? And this poor guy who has like two lines in the whole episode, but his delivery is so perfect, he's like. Oh, no, the technology to reply to a post on the Internet is decades away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we, we find ourselves. Like, yes. are you a sucker, uh, sir? Heavens, no. Uh, um, he is assured by the salesman that this is the best computer in the world and always will be. Again, solid jokes. <laughs> yep, holds yep. up. Holds up. This is, this is I, I, joke density is a thing that I treasure, and, uh, and this, th- just in these opening minutes. The things that are not at all topical, that are just... What would you even call it when Homer looks at the price tag, then picks up a cup of coffee that's there for some reason just so he could do the spit take? That made me laugh so hard. I love that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so Lisa has to set up the computer, of course, and after assorted aborted attempts, he finds the Dancing Jesus webpage. If there's a better use for the internet, I haven't found it. I mean, sure. profits are sometimes not valued in their own time, but man, he was he was uh, he spoke the truth. He sets up what turns out to be a pretty effective parody of websites of 1996. And again, this this came out in 2000. So the joke is he's a few years behind. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, so enamored of it, of the uh, appeal of the Internet that he ignores a bunch of red flags that Bart keeps throwing out. He calls his page Mr. X's website uh, and gets distraught because no one is finding it. No one is clicking on it. Then Lisa tells him, that he has to offer people something, a joke, an idea, an opinion, uh, thereby neatly distilling mm-hmm. the ethos of NPR's podcast startup guide by Glenn Weldon, available on the click away. <laughs> if you got a mic and a laptop, you can create a successful podcast, right? Wrong. Execution matters. Poor sound quality, sloppy or non-existent editing, undercooked storytelling, and a host of other issues render many, okay, most, podcasts unsustainable and unlistenable. The barrier to entry may be low, but the learning curve is steep. Uh, so Bart offers up this half-assed rumor about Mayor Quimby, uh, one of my favorite Simpsons characters, steering infrastructure funds for a personal swimming pool. So Why uh, do you that. feel such uh, affinity for Mayor Quimby? 
Uh, because of what you just did just then. Um, and I thought to myself, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed going, okay, so he's going to post this. Nobody's going to find it. How are they going to explain that, that like anybody finds this? And then a uh, comic book guy is searching for things related to the letter X. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's SEO. That is just, that is a smart yeah. SEO circa 2000 joke. Because of course, comic book guy would be searching for things related to the letter X. Right. He, I mean, we are generations away from porn being something that is consumed in movie theaters and newsstands, right? Yep. Like, does the phrase X, X-rated, X, does that... Does that have any meaning anymore? Does it have any currency? Is that a pure relic? Like when I, I talk about a non-album track being a B-side? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I, people people hold on to those those phrases. I mean, I think there are probably OnlyFans addresses that end in XXX just because yeah. of tradition. Tradition. Grand, it's true. Yeah. It's like a, right. But I mean, there must be... I don't know. I think there, there must be people out there where they, they associate the letter X with something salacious, they don't know why, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I just want to point out here that Comic Book Guy is surfing the web and eating some nachos that are supposed to look gross and awful, and I'm sorry, they're nachos. They look great. <laughs> I'd be down with those in a heartbeat. Uh, Skinner is also apparently porn surfing because he looked up something related to X, and that is that is that that that's a layer to that character I haven't seen before. That's right, like everyone basically is looking uh, looking. No, up. no, Fox Mulder was the the uh, the Fox Network character of the time who that's was known true. to have a have a recurring. Uh, you know, but porn his was habit. his stuff was like a, a closet full of magazines because it was you know the time. So I, yeah, I guess there'd yeah. be. I guess you wouldn't want to look up. Although he's, uh, he's I, I also at the liked FBI. it when you can't do that from an FBI. You can't do that from a government server. No, no, you you can't. Uh, I, I I liked it when. Uh, Seymour Skinner's mom asked him if he was looking at naked ladies, and when he said no, she she called him. What did she call him? Sissy? She didn't say pussy. Sissy. That's what she yep, said. Sissy. Yeah. Yep. Where uh, are we with the word sissy in 2022? Is that? Now? Uh, I embrace it, but I also embrace queer, and I don't want to talk about it because this I don't care. David Sedaris, go fuck yourself. Um, uh, we get, by the way, a non-homophobic <laughs> gay joke here, wherein comic book guy is mm. searching for things related to X, and he's and he wonders if he should cross the final frontier. Non-homophobic, just like should I do it? Can I do it? Why don't I do it? That's that is how you that has how you thread a very interesting needle, I think. That that didn't land as a gay joke for me. How is that a gay joke? Mister X, should I cross the final frontier? Oh, okay. Instead of Mr. like Ms. Mr. Ms. X. Okay, yeah. I missed the emphasis on Mister. You missed the emphasis on Mister. Um, so everyone is searching for Mister X, and the press confronts Quimby and finds mm-hmm. his secret swimming pool made with bottle yeah. cement. Um, And Homer keeps us up. He finds dirt about uh, Krusty, which is terrifying, and Apu, which is just about his food. So he goes with the one (laughs) about Apu because it's food-related. Again, character Uh, plus joke. This is the marriage of of character plus joke. This is why this works. Your bagels Um, are nothing but weak old donuts, Glenn. Yep. He makes the news. Uh, Kent Brockman refers to him and says, Mr. X, if that is his real name, which, again, the... I can't argue with these jokes. You can bounce yes. a quarter off these jokes. Uh, power goes to his head. He can barely keep himself from revealing his identity at Moe's. So stupid is he. <laughs> then he is a st- in a stall at the power plant men's room, and he overhears Mr. Burns and Smithers uh, having a talking about a secret meeting they're going to have. And then he later spies on it and sees Mr. Burns selling some deadly uranium to some uh, straight-out-of-casting sure. terrorists. Some true lies terrorists. These are the true lies terrorists. Yeah. And it's agreed 
I'll supply you terrorists with deadly uranium. You are a credit to the great Satan. Oh, sure. <laughs> I love spying. Uh, ah. oh, don't worry about those fumes. They'll be sucked into that air vent. He doesn't have his own private bathroom. He uses the same well, we bathroom know, that uh, his employees. Well, we know he has his own private bathroom, but it must have been. Yeah. That's, that's the one with the tile and the peacocks. We've seen it before. Yes. And we'll see it again. And I, I think there's a string quartet in there as well. Uh, but yes, we've seen it. It just must have been closed for repairs. A contrivance, Glenn, a contrivance. that he, he uses the, the employee washroom. Lack of continuity. Uh, so Hummer publishes, Burns is arrested, and then the Pulitzer Committee travels to Springfield to award the prize to Mr. X. I want to say here that everyone who ever mentions the Pulitzer Prize in this episode pronounces it correctly. No one, not a single character, not even Homer, pronounces it Pulitzer Prize. So that's a thing. That's a thing that Is I... there actually a cash award that accompanies the Pulitzer Prize? I believe there is. Isn't there? There must be. There must be. Um, he does reveal his identity. Uh, now no one hangs with him because they're worried that their secrets will get out. Uh, his traffic drops. He decides to start publishing things he makes up, including a... Yep. Including a joke, quote-unquote joke, about how the government is controlling people's minds with flu shots. No one could ever believe that. They're controlling our minds with flu shots. I knew it. Uh, except, of course, Ned Flanders, again. Who wins Springfield except Ned Flanders <laughs> would actually believe it. Yep. Well, kids, now aren't you glad we don't believe in inoculations? <laughs> Yay! Mommy? And then we get a shot of his homeschool kids uh, dying of polio. Where is the lie? This is Rod this is, and Todd shivering into the void. Yes, yes it's so good. Uh, and so suddenly this animated sitcoms become a grim prophecy of... Uh, a coming dystopia. It really is. Yes, he is posting fake news on the internet. Yeah, uh, for traffic, he is X instead of Q. It's exactly. He's good an point, anti-vaxer, Chris. but Jesus, this is exactly right. Can you imagine if they just called him Q? Oh my God, it'd be like that whole. Like, they predicted Trump's presidency. Um, he enters the Quickie Mart to buy lottery tickets, but it's a fake Quickie Mart, fake front. He's locked into the back of a tractor trailer, which is detachable. And probably, uh, no, but probably even has a waste disposal unit. Very good, very good. Congratulations, my boy. You will do well. We are proud of you. And this is, here we go. This is the first of several shout-outs to the prisoner. We get a shot of the truck barreling down the highway. That's a classic. That's that's a, a direct lift. He wakes up on the island. And I want to give the writers credit here because, of course, they couldn't, they were determined to capture the vibe of the prisoner, but not just apishly recreated. So you, you capture the weirdness and the quaintness and the menace of the village, but you do it at a slant. You do it at an angle. So you get the Italian mm-hmm. architecture, yes, but then you throw in exotic birds, right, which is never, yeah. never a prisoner thing. But you get flamingos and bowler hats, penguins with cigarette holders, peacocks, ostriches, koalas, and masquerade max. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of, it strikes me as like they're trying... I don't think that they're trying to avoid litigation because they obviously got Patty McGee involved. I just think yeah. they're trying to do something. They're trying to take it and twist it, right? Is that the sense you got? Yeah, but I, I, I also, it, you know, I did have a real, like, who is this for? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. 
And maybe that's another reason why they kind of decided they needed to go a little bit bigger with the koalas with masks and everything like that. But this is the definitely the Sherry Bobbins approach. They would do a Sherry Bobbins musical and, <laughs> and say, no, I'm an original creation like Ricky Rouse and Ronald Ruck. Um, right. So I think this is kind of... Yeah. And the music... It, that it, was, of course, before Fox was a subsidiary of sure. Disney Corporation, <laughs> as it now is. What's <laughs> a... So the music is really percussive. It's that same kind of thing. What the hell? How did I get here? What is this place? This is the island. How do I get out of here? Oh, no one leaves the island. So I'm a prisoner? How come? Because you know something. But I don't know anything. At least I don't think I do. See you tomorrow. So much of it seems right on the nose and so much of it seems a little off, like there's a red phone booth. But what that's doing is it's not recapitulating the prisoner. It's trying to signal to people this is the Englishness of it all. Um, but that's tricky, too, because the, the like, I am not even a Doctor Who person, but I associate the the phone booth, the British phone booth, with the, the TARDIS, right? Isn't that... Yeah, that's, but it's a red phone booth. It's a totally different thing. The, the, the TARDIS is the blue phone box uh, that you can't see in. It's a whole different thing. All right. And the period dress here is Victorian as opposed to kind of turn-of-the-century seaside uh, yeah. thing. It's more, it's more like colonial, like Indian colonial Victorian as opposed to, like... Brighton Beach seaside stuff. Uh, yeah. And so in this, in when people talk to each other, see you tomorrow replaces be seeing you. But then uh, once we get yeah. the act break, then the pastiche drops and we hear much, it's much more on the nose iconography. So people in black blazers with white piping, khakis, yeah. badges with numbers, floating egg chairs. And this is it. I don't think see you tomorrow quite works. Like that is not odd enough a phrase or a phrasing to yeah, I was stand say, in for anything. It doesn't capture like the perpetual like threat of be seeing you, like I will be seeing you and we will right. be watching you. It, it's see yes, you tomorrow, the... but it kind of does actually because it means like, no, I'm going to see you tomorrow. <laughs> You're not leaving. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Yeah. I think, I think it has the same vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm unconvinced. All right. This is the moment, Chris. This is the moment. This is why we're here. This is why we're talking. He meets an incongruously and unsettlingly friendly Patty McGee. Welcome, friend. I'm number six. Welcome, friend. I'm number six. None of those things are the things that... <laughs> he wouldn't say welcome. He wouldn't say friend. He wouldn't say I'm number six. None of those things would I be know. Say. Right. And I mean, if you're going to have it, like, actually get the guy out of bed, bring him into a recording studio, and, like, we don't get a get out, you know, like, not even one... I, it's just, I mean, he must have so chilled. Now, there's that documentary of him where they bring him into this abandoned, like, to this house in the Hollywood Hills or Santa Monica. I don't oh, yeah. No, we, we still, no, that is a documentary that, that we, we promised listeners long ago that we would devote an episode to that, and we have to. I mean, that, that is called In My Mind. In My Mind. In My Which, Mind. Which, even the title. You're smart. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, where he's just so squirrely and grumpy and... Like, this must have happened around the same... No, it probably happened a lot. But I think that happened in the 70s, and this is much, much later. So years years can mellow a person, apparently. But he is just, in every line delivery, he is positively bubbly. And yeah. it is... I do not care for it. Uh, no. <laughs> I find it disquieting. 
and I, I wish <laughs> to register a complaint. Um, it's just a trip to imagine him in that recording booth, right? It's like, you know, I mean, they do get something right. It, the character design has no eyebrows, so that's a good thing. That, like, uh-huh. At least they committed to that bit. What number are you? I am not a number. I am a man. And don't you ever... Oh, wait, I'm number five. Ha-ha, <laughs> in your face, number six. Yes, well done. Uh, Homer... We learn his number five, which delights him because he's one up from number six. Yep, yep, uh, yep. And uh, number six explains that they're kept there because they know too much. Number 27 there knows how to turn water into gasoline. Number 12 knows the deadly secret behind Tic Tacs. And I invented the bottomless peanut bag. Wow. One, two, three, right? We're building, we're building, we're building. The third one should be the funniest one. And the bottomless peanut, ba- peanut bag is not yeah, the I would, funniest Yeah, I would have done the deadly right. secret behind Tic Tacs. I think he built a... I think he yeah. built a Tic Tacs is what I would do there. But um, this next exchange is for people who have seen the prisoner, all six of them. You know, it, like it, this, where he <laughs> says, who brought us here? And he says, I don't know. And then Homer says, did you bring us here? No. Brought us here. I don't know. Did you bring us here? No. That, right there, <laughs> that is a moment of audience surrogacy that is there for no one except people who know the whole who is number one. Am I, mm-hmm. am I number one? Is, is number six number one? Yeah. So back in Springfield, the cops are having a manhunt for Homer. Uh, Homer is drugged again. He wakes up in number two's uh, egg chair room. This number two right. was not based on any particular number no, two. No, didn't, didn't seem to be. It's unfortunate that we, we couldn't get like a knockoff McKern there or yeah. anything. Was, was Leo McKern still alive in 2000? I'm going to check was. this, this, this quickly. Um, the, uh, we get the lava lamp decor. We get the whole thing. Yeah, and, and the lava lamp clearly has like the 2001 Space Baby, or 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 just it's got a frog. It's got a frog in it. There's a frog at one point, but there, there's also a like a fetus in it at at one point. Okay, uh, all right. Uh, Leo McKern died in 2002, so uh, okay. they could have. They could have. Could have. Could have. Would have. I should've. think they blew the budget on on a Patty McGee. Um, we learn that Homer is there because the thing he made up, the flu shot thing, is real. They load them with additives to get people to buy shit before Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Homer <laughs> says, it's so simple. No, it's not. It's needlessly complicated. <laughs> Which, again, yeah. I don't know. That's why flu shots are given just before Christmas. Of course. It's so simple. Wait, no, it's not. It's needlessly complicated. Yes, it is. And we can't have you out there mucking it up now, can we? No, sir. That's good boy. Let's get you some ice cream. You um, named the screenwriter of this episode a few minutes John ago. John Schwarzwalder. Okay, good. I made you say that again because in my mind, that is the name of the doppelganger Homer who replaces him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> the one who is seen is shaving his head <laughs> on the sofa so yep. he can retain his resemblance to Homer. And, this is uh, a very tells... schizoid man, kind of like I, yes. I, I wanted him, I wanted to, you know... Uh, Johnny Flapjacks, what is it called? Johnny Johnny Cakes? <laughs> Do you think I'd forgotten we used to call you Flapjack Charlie? Look, you can drug me all you want, but my family won't rest till they find my drug-bloated corpse. I wouldn't count on that, number five. As far as your family knows, Homer Simpson is walking in the front door right about now. Homie! <gasps> Marge, honey, Fraulein, I'm home. You're not my husband. Yeah, please forgive my unexplained two-week absence. To make it up to you, we will go out to dinner at a sensibly priced restaurant, then have a night of efficient German sex. Well, I sure don't feel like cooking. 
they're basically extending the Rainer Wolfcastle joke a little yeah, bit with sure. this character. Right? By the way, Hank Azaria is doing most of the heavy lifting in this episode. It's all Hank Azaria. Like everybody, okay. everybody is pretty much Hank Azaria. So Homer's doppelganger arrives at Casa Simpson with the sick German accent. Um, and uh, there's a nice shout out to the schizoid man. Homer uh, back on the island is playing drug croquet. <laughs> number six approaches number five, Sim- Homer Simpson, with a plan that he's been working on for 33 years. It is a raft made out of toilet paper and plastic forks. There's got to be a way to escape. Psst. Huh? I've worked on this for 33 years. It's made out of toilet paper rolls, toothpicks, and plastic forks. And the sail is made of scabs and dynamite. It's small and it's smelly, but it should carry both of us too. <laughs> The sails are made of scabs and dynamite. Now, that right there is a reason for this to exist. Like, to hear Patrick McGowan, at age whatever the hell he was, to say with a definite, I'm going to say, Chris, lilt in his voice, the sails are made of scabs and dynamite. Like, with happiness, to to hear him exude happiness as he says scabs and dynamite. I mean, that's worth the price of the episode. Well, and I mean, there aren't that many words that you think would, would force a smile out of him where, where he made to utter them. But I feel like dynamite is one. I don't yeah, think he sure, will sure. ever be displeased to be speaking the word dynamite. And with that, uh, that that's an episode wrap for Patrick McGowan, people. Clap, 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 <laughs> clap, clap, because that's it. Uh, Homer takes the boat for himself. Uh, and uh, number five says something like, number six says something like, well, that's happened to me before. That's the third time that's happened. It's better than that. He says that's the third time after the chimes of Big Ben and many happy returns. So the writers know what's up. Awesome. Awesome. And we get the music and it's it feels like it's like a direct copy. It's reorchestrated, maybe. Uh, Like it does feel like it's a it's obviously a pastiche. Then we get Oh wait, no, we we skipped Rover. Now, we're, we're getting that. And this oh, is when Rover comes. Okay. It's called All an right. anti-escape orb here, and it gets Homer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. An anti-escape orb. <laughs> that was easy. Or at least it tries to, because then he pops it with a plastic fork. Then number two asks his... Um, security officer, whatever. Why did you think a big balloon would stop people? Shut up. That's why. A classic Simpsons line, a line that I have quoted many times. I didn't realize it came from this episode, but she says, shut up. That's why. Which is... Is that not in more than one episode? I can't imagine it is. I think it's from this. I mean, I know that I quoted it with my friends. It must have been, I guess it came from, but like... Per- Mwah, perfect, perfect, <laughs> great delivery from I, th- I think it's Tess McNeil. Shut up! That's why. Uh, back in Springfield, Ho- Homer drives the boat into his driveway. Sure, he announces uh, he's back, uh, and his doppelganger announces yep. that there has been. It's a real months. that that rocket house ain't got no brakes moment. Got no brakes. Uh, the German doppelganger announces there have been four months of efficient German sex. Uh, <laughs> he tries to get back online dinner at a reasonably priced restaurant. <laughs> And he can't because his double tries to kill him, but he kicks the double in the crotch. No one can silence me but me. That arranged can be. Yes, fight and struggle. If I know me, he won't like being kicked in the crotch. March, it's me, the real Homer. Oh, Homie! The 
The family comes home. There's a happy reunion. Then the dog jumps up and gasses him. The entire family wakes up back on the island. They say, once you get used to the gassings, it's not so bad. And then um, we turn to the camera. We say, see you on the island. Yes, the island, which is weird. And then a koala gasses the viewer. End of episode. A break in continuity, which would be completely unforgivable, except for the fact that we get the gassing. So yeah. I think we can probably, we, we can give it a pass. Like, we have been gassed collectively as the audience. Right? Or does that bother you? It doesn't bother you. No, no, it doesn't bother me. I, I, I really, I, I probably should have done a little more homework and, and watched the episodes on either side of this to see if, like, this entire era of The Simpsons had this, um, the discursive quality of this episode where there's the whole storyline about, about Homer and Mr. X and his, you know, and then, like we said, I mean, we're... Two thirds of the way through, when we well, get to the. Well, it'd be interesting to figure out when the episode where Skinner turns out to be not actually Skinner, and then they just kind of abandon that in every other episode. They never refer back to that at all. <laughs> if that happens, because that really upset people, I can remember. Yeah. Uh, message boards lighting up with outrage over that, and uh, mm-hmm. the the one where they, it's a. Lord of the Flies kind of thing where the boys go to this island and then they just kind of have the voiceover at the end go, and then they got rescued by, oh, let's say, Mo, And that's the end of the episode because they don't want to bother with actually showing you. I mean, it was never a thing that I could get my panties in a wad about because uh, it, it doesn't, like, continuity here doesn't really... No, it doesn't matter, but I... I... I don't know. There was something about the the construction of Simpsons episodes again in the the bulletproof seasons preceding this one by a few years. When I was trying to make myself understand screenwriting, not that I ever succeeded, I don't think, but you know, I would watch movies and try to identify the act breaks, right? Or try to figure out like is is this the common three act or is this um, you know, one of the more unusual formats, uh, you know, like Jerry Maguire or Raiders of the Lost Ark or a movie that clearly has more than more than three acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would, you know, but I would look for the act breaks in movies and I would find it difficult to do. But I always felt like I could watch a 22 minute episode of The Simpsons and there'd be and I, I don't just mean the commercials. I right? was going to say, I, I mean, like, that's kind of how it's defined here, but OK. Well, I mean, in, in episodic television, you know, television with commercials in it. Yes, that's just kind of how. But but it's not. Not always, right? And I, I, I mean, with the, the, I don't know. Maybe because it was such a compact sample size, because it was only a twenty-two minute episode, I felt like it was easier to mm. to try to get the model down. Be like, well, this could only happen because this happened, and then that forces this to happen. And it was like, um, you know, you could you could see the the feature model in miniature. Now that is that is not really happening in this episode. No, this is definitely a weird mm. Simpsons episode because mm. it goes to this extended joke that is a riff on something that not, I would say, what, conservatively, 8% of the audience would have known about. Because, again, millions and millions of people watching it. It was at the top of its game in terms of ratings, I think, at this time. Conservatively, because it was, you know, it was mostly watched by younger people, probably 8 to 10. Maybe, let's go 8 to 10%. Yeah. Okay? Um, It was made because it could be made. Because John Schwarzwalder could say, I want to get... Patrick McGowan out of his bungalow in Santa Monica. <laughs> we, we can drive him down the five, mm-hmm. the twenty-two. What, what, how what, to get from Santa Monica to Burbank? Uh, I think the 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 ten, the ten, the, 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 the ten. T- um, take we'll, we'll send a car for him. 
They'll take the 10, they'll get here. He will spend literally two minutes in that fucking, in that fucking booth. Yep. And I will get to uh, recreate or at least pay homage to a show I loved as a kid. That, that's the dream, right? That's, yeah. It comes from a place of love. It comes also from a place of, um, of, of wanting to pay it homage without, well, I mean, like that joke about why would you think a, a balloon could do anything? Shut up. That's why. I mean, that's, yeah. that's close to the line of, of parody, but it's still affectionate. There's yeah. a real affection you feel here. I mean, I don't think the Simpsons. Ha- I mean, the Simpsons. I don't think the prisoner has the kind of presence in the culture where people actually know the reference without knowing the original object. You know. Yeah. I mean, people who have never seen The Godfather, they know I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Sure. They, yeah. I mean, the prisoner does not have that. And this was 2000 when the internet was still coming in, and people weren't kind of. They couldn't just look at their phone and go like Prisoner Rover <laughs> or Simpsons Rover Simpsons. Yeah ball and get uh there was no wikis this was pre-wiki uh so yeah it was a it was a weird it was a weird creation uh, but a creation of love and that's that's what i like about it i i think i think most of the jokes land i don't think it's like a standout episode particularly of in the in the annals of simpsons history but it certainly is a very specific very niche product what do you rate it chris what's your rating it's a five I think. Okay, I mean, what's keeping that? What's uh, keeping you from that? Attaining that? Well, that's just. I think the fact that it's a it's a little misshapen. Yeah. Like that, and uh, as much as I am delighted by the extended homage that that forms the the third act, it's not an essential part. You could make this a twelve minute episode, sure. right, or a, a fourteen ten minute episode. So I think that's why I think because it's a, yeah it's a little asymmetrical, little little lopsided. Okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. It's a five for me, but then the, the phrase scabs and dynamite, so it's, <laughs> it's almost like praying. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, that phrase knocks it up to a 5.5 for me. All right. Well, we both liked it more than Brass Target. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. The Brass Target had its had its appeal. Is it better to um, withhold Patty McGee until minute 16 and, and give us him just briefly like he's, I don't know, Orson Welles in The Third Man or something? Mm-hmm. Or, or do you, do you want to kill off Patty McGee 35 minutes into a two-hour movie? Yeah. I mean, if you got uh, Max Boncito hanging around like, in true. your back pocket, then that, that, who cares about that? Like, yeah. you, still, you still got other things going on. But here, they don't have a Max Boncito. <laughs> they basically have a mo. They don't. <laughs> and, uh, <Mr>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want you in here anymore, Homer. Should we talk about the, um, well, we have to do In My Mind. We have to, to yes, we do. Uh, so cover not that, over that documentary. It's not over no, yet, people. No, we're not. So we'll do that. We'll, we'll do the. Uh, in My Mind. Yeah. Uh, and that is streaming on Amazon, is it? Yeah, I got it from Amazon Prime. Yeah. That's a that's a weird, weird, weird. It's a weird, very British documentary <laughs> where the person who is making it says everything that goes through his mind. <laughs> it, it, uh, his commentary is basically uh, what we call logoria. Just, just yes. Here's a strange thing that he said to me, and then he said this other strange thing to me. Yes. Well, what it what it has in common with uh, my my uh, previous book review assignment, which was of the the. Um, Jan Wenner uh, memoir, the the very mm-hmm. shallow, self-serving, starfucky Jan Jan Wenner memoir, is um, it became necessary after he had a a falling out 
with his chosen biographer and uh, had had sat and you know for many years and cooperated with this this guy to write an authorized biography that became an unauthorized biography once he realized that the guy was just portraying him a little too accurately <laughs> in his <laughs> in his his manuscript and the the uh, Chris um, Gosh, Chris, someone, the guy who made In My Mind, I'm going to look it up, Chris Rodley. He succeeded. Like, he got the white whale. He got McGowan to um, sit for an interview. Mm, which, sit which Mag- and stand well, and walk and pace. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, talk yeah. we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Right. We'll get, yeah, we'll get yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, it's an uh, odd. Anyway, it's an, but, but, it's an odd creation. Right. But the, uh, the participation and then non-participation mm-hmm. of the subject becomes the story. Yep becomes the subject and we will get the next one out to you sooner than six months five months how long has it been I don't know. it'll have been three months three months but that's, yes. that's and then we have time. another thing in mind that we'll come out with uh, a slightly different subject but we'll come up with metronomic regularity ruthless right. precise German efficiency yes it, it will uh, we make that promise to you I don't know how much do we want to say about that uh, Not yet. We'll save it for the uh, save it for the uh, for the. This is the penultimate. Save it for the ultimate. Yes. Degree absolute, and then we will unveil. Right. Another reason for you to turn in. Perhaps when your when your new house is erected, <laughs> so that you can you can sit perched atop the the very the very top of the the mountain, and look down on your neighbors and say to yourself. Dog carcass in alley this morning. Tire tread on burst stomach. This I will, city. I mean, it depends is afraid of me. on how much I've seen I its can true get face. Some, uh, molten lead. You know, for <laughs> yes, the Which streets and fire roads are extended gutters. The gutters are full of blood, and then the drains finally scab over. All the vermin will drown. Do you want to? Do you want to continue, Glenn? Good the, lord, Chris, was that off the dome? The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder. Oh, okay, I'm see, I see where your eyes are. It's not, it's not, it's not. Okay. All the whores and politicians will look up and shout, save us. And I'll shout, no. Okay. <laughs> Until right. next time, or at yes. least uh, see you tomorrow. Yes. Uh, see, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, no, it doesn't so it work. Can. It can't, it can't have uh, the same cachet. Right. I, I swear to you. See you tomorrow. See, mm-hmm. that's, that's creepy, right? Mm. Of course, the 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 heartiness of be seeing you, like it's kind of a cheer. The cheeriness of be seeing you is what makes it creepy, right? Be seeing you like that. Nobody says be seeing. You. It's the cheeriness and the non specificity and permanence. It's not just I will only be seeing you tomorrow. I will be I will be seeing you indefinitely. Well, I mean, again, you'll Chris, never know when tomorrow I'm is you. kind of a perpetual thing. Like t- there's always tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a it's a thing. Tomorrow is always going to be the right I know. corner. Some would say that tomorrow never dies, Glenn. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Crow would say that. I think. Yep, sure. sure. And uh, what was the what was the Tom Cruise thing that was called the movie with the. Edge of tomorrow, Edge of um, but right, but on the home video, like they have, they have live, die, repeat on live, it in big die, letters, repeat. and then it says Edge of it's tomorrow. A great movie, info. great movie. What, watch it, whatever. A you terrific can. movie, fantastic movie, and the the novella, the light novella, the Japanese. What was, was all you need is kill. That's <laughs> also terrible. Yeah, I mean, I just assumed that was a weird translation because it's yep. a Japanese uh, publication, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I I I don't know. I kind of like the weird syntax of that. <laughs> but, uh, all you need is kill. Yeah. <laughs> Until then, Glenn. 
be seeing you. Be seeing you. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, I can I can stitch that into into something probably. Absolute was conceived by Glenn Wilden and is produced by me, Chris Klemek. I wrote our silly little theme song with my dear friend Casey Aaron Clark on vocals and keyboards with her brother Jonathan Clark on guitar and percussion. Check out Casey at CaseyAaronClark.com and or VitalVoiceTraining.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts along with your Wildest Prisoner take, and we will, we're still saying it, read that take on a future episode Tweet us at not a number pod. Uh, Twitter still still exists for the the time being, although it's pretty much day to day in the Musk era. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at a degree absolute, and write the Citizens Advice Bureau at a degree absolute at gmail.com. Hey, what happened to my music? It's no degree partial, it's a degree absolute, absolute. Aren't there any evil movies on? Maybe something about an evil island? There's something really different about you, Dad. I am a new tie wearing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm tired of being drugged and gassed.